Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I am so stoked for you to hear today's episode, which is featuring the amazing Eva Bloom. Eva Bloom is so epic. They are an award-winning queer sexuality educator, sex science communicator. They know kind of everything there is to know about sex. Maybe that's a big statement, but it was a pretty epic conversation. Um, Eva aims to break down the rigid scripts around sexuality and affirm marginalized individuals to build their most authentic sex lives, feel at home in their identities, and have confidence in navigating their sexual health, which we all need. Um, They're also the creator of the digital sexual wellness program called Fuck the Patriarchy, Fuck Yourself. We love it. And the YouTube web series What's My Body Doing? This was such an amazing conversation. Eva gets really vulnerable about her journey with sexuality and overcoming shame, becoming a sex researcher. We dive deep into modern day sex education, why so many humans, including myself and Eva, came out during the pandemic. Um, We talk about the marginalization of queer women, non-binary folk. We talk about how TikTok has been a haven for the LGBTQ community. Um, we also look at how systems of patriarchy, cis heteronormativity manifest in our bodies and impact our sex lives. We get into fat phobia, desire, how queer perspectives are liberating for literally everyone, not only queer people. And we also get into a really fun conversation about Harry Potter houses and how these relate to different sexual identities. Very much yes. Even if you're not a huge Harry Potter nerd, you are going to love it. I don't know that much about the houses, but this was like so much fun to get into. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to share as well that the Sensual Wholeness Academy is open for enrollment. It has been the most beautiful community that we're creating in that space. We welcome all women-identified folk who are reclaiming sensuality, body love, transforming trauma, cultivating empowered intimacy. It's such an amazing 
eight-month group coaching program with myself and the SWA team and we would just love to welcome you in if it feels aligned. What you can actually do is go to the link in the show notes to get the details. You can sign up directly but you can also book a one-to-one call with myself where you'll receive personalized support in your own sensual reclamation journey and exploring if this is for you. So it's always an honor to connect with you all it really really is and to hear your stories and to just get to know your fabulous self so check it out and let's get into today's episode Hello, beautiful people. I'm so excited to be here with Eva Bloom, such an amazing human. Um, How are you today? I'm doing so great. I'm so excited to chat. (laughs) Me too. I'm super stoked. I was telling Eva, I'm like, I spent the whole morning and a little bit of last night, like going into so much of your content. And I actually first discovered you through Ashley Gavin's podcast. Um, which is the best. It's so good. And I was like, goals, connect with Eva for this podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm yes. so, I love finding out how people like found me. And I'm glad that you hearing about my coming out story and the threesome uh, brought, brought us together. <laughs> oh my gosh. As, as a sort of baby gay, maybe I'm like a toddler gay now. Um <laughs> So much of it was so relatable. Mine, I mean, I have not had the same epic threesome experience that was not relatable, but maybe someday it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dream big. Dream big, yes. (laughs) Um, Tell the people, actually, first I'll just ask this kind of cool meta question you can answer in a really practical way or however you feel. Who are you in this chapter of your life? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it's that's such an interesting question, especially like a year and a half into like COVID and the transformation that has happened over this period. Yeah. Um, I am a queer gender questioning, um, sex science communicator and peer sexuality educator. Um, so much of is that is consuming my life right now is like mm-hmm. the launch of my course. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, which is about kind of helping people unlearn all of the garbage <laughs> we learned growing up about sex and actually creating something beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Yeah, I spend a lot of my time uh, bringing sex science to the people and also talking about and consuming a lot of gay shit. <laughs> Yes, great, amazing. And then can you share a little more about the work you're doing right now and feel free to like be braggy as well. You have a very epic bio and background. Yeah. Thanks, Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, yeah, as a sex science communicator, I have my master's of science kind of focusing on social psychology I did my master's thesis on sexting. (laughs) So I use that and kind of my own experience and sexual journey to create my course, Fuck the Patriarchy, Fuck Yourself, um, which takes a bunch of sex research uh, to look at the ways that this is heteropatriarchy fucks with 
our desires and our ability mm -hmm. to tap into authentically like what our pleasure is um, yeah. and then build like a solo sex um, and a sexual relationship with ourselves, which is really beautiful. I'm trying to think mm -hmm. what else. I was on YouTube for many, many years. That's how I got my start kind of in sex education in like a social media public facing kind of way. What else do I do? I run a newsletter <laughs> where I take <laughs> academic papers and I break it down and uh, so that people can read and get nerdy with it too. Yes. Yeah. Yay. We love the intersection of sexuality and nerdiness. It's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. That's all. Yes. Okay. So this is all fantastic and it's definitely super incredible, edgy, taboo work. I imagine that a lot of the times you bring this up and people are like, whoa, you're talking about that at the dinner table. Like, I would love to hear about how you yourself got to a place where you're so comfortable and empowered talking about this. Like, what has your journey with sexuality and maybe overcoming shame, what has that looked like? Ooh, that's a good question. I get the vibe that this might be an, uh, an astrology safe space that I Yes. <laughs> safe space yeah <laughs> if you say like you're like oh it's such a taboo topic people must give you like weird looks about it and I'm like I'm a Scorpio sun Aquarius rising so that's kind of I love I love that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I'm like I'll be I'll be in the taboo I'd love to make people a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. um <laughs> I I <laughs> it I didn't it honestly, for me, never felt really weird to, like, apply my nerdiness to sexuality mm -hmm. from, like, the beginning of kind of my journey when sexuality became relevant to me. I became, like, a huge nerd about it. I was, like, mm -hmm. watching all these YouTube videos. I, like, founded my high school's Gender Sexuality Alliance when I was 16, and I was giving, like, peer lessons like <laughs> to my friends like really consuming everything that I could and when I got to university and found out that like people research sex like as a job this is a thing <laughs> that people do I was like this is the coolest this is the coolest stuff ever and mm -hmm. I do remember a little bit of like the program I was in in undergrad was like very small and we had like a pretty close relationship with our professors mm -hmm. and it was very research focused and I do remember there being moments being like I'm into this research thing but like I want to research sex is yeah. that is that okay am uh -huh. I allowed to do that and they I think they were a little bit like that's not my expertise but you we support whatever <laughs> whatever you want to do mm -hmm. you're clearly very fired up about this yes <laughs> um, so yeah I don't know it's kind of always been a part of yeah and I just I just started talking about it because it seemed to be helping people yeah. and I was like I feel comfortable doing it it seems like people need it mm -hmm. let's, let's just keep doing it yeah this is so amazing. And I also feel like it's so rare to kind of grow up with that level of, of certainty and just like, this is important. This lights me up. This is what I want to do. 
Were you raised like in a sex positive family? Did you have like this kind of epic at like, I don't know about you, but like my sex education, there was no mention of queerness. It was very like banana on a condom, you're gonna bleed out your coochie, call it a day. Um, mm-hmm. What, like what, yeah, how, yeah, how? <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> how did this happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Um, ooh, okay. Um, I guess like a couple things. For one, like my sex ed was pretty similar to yours. Mm-hmm. I remember my gym, my gym teacher who's in charge of health being like coincidentally absent during the health unit on various uh, sports related activities. And I was like, okay, you just timed this just right. <laughs> so I remember like supply teachers giving us like diagrams of like the reproductive systems for us to label. That's basically mm-hmm. the only thing I remember from, right. from my sex ed. Um, in terms of like my family and stuff, I don't talk about this a lot, but my dad is a is a minister. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but in like a very progressive kind of church. So I remember I went to my first pride at my church's like pride float. And I guess wow. in Toronto, Canada, th- that is a, maybe a little bit more common. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember doing that. I remember my parents having like very close like queer family friends growing up so I definitely knew that like queer people were a thing yeah Um, yeah the compet was still incredibly incredibly strong and I I think also the difference between like gay men are a thing Mm -hmm. queer women Mm -hmm. um being cool and of all sorts of gender expressions maybe less of a thing yes Um, but yeah I don't know um yeah I do I do enjoy pushing my my family's buttons in terms of sex and definitely bring up at the dinner table and be like what do you think about this and I'll be like I don't know (laughs) I love it I love the demeanor with which you do it too because it's so like kind of joyful and sunny and casual and also Mm -hmm. like so challenging for people's deeply internalized beliefs and suppression around this so it's just it's just amazing can you tell the people what comp het is yeah I forget that not everybody realized they were lesbian in quarantine and therefore <laughs> figured out what comp het is that was me <laughs> that was me for Hi, sure hey. was that <laughs> shout out to you- all the beautiful humans who came out or had huge gender and sexuality revelations during the pandemic we're with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a support group honestly should we start yeah. a podcast I didn't... 100% <laughs> I know like three other people anyway um <laughs> combat is short for compulsory heterosexuality um and it basically just means that like ingrained in our like systems of how I think oh my gosh in terms of our our gender systems in terms of our family unit systems in terms of the government it's like assumed that people are cisgender and heterosexual Mm -hmm. um and that there's yeah it's assumed there's also kind of like propaganda from Mm -hmm. when we are very small (laughs) um and there's a lot of like censor and like pushback if you do not fall into that category and especially for women 
like a lot of our gender roles and like what it means to be a woman is inexorably linked with being straight. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people grow up thinking like straight is the only option <laughs> and yeah. assume attraction to men as like a default um, and write off attraction to women and non-binary people as like we're just really close friends mm -hmm. <laughs> or like everybody feels like that and just doesn't talk about it yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah this is such an amazing thing to learn about so thank you for sharing like I know um two of my also baby gay came out during the pandemic friends um we made a a little video on like gay signs and all the signs that like we should have known in hindsight that we were gay mm -hmm. and a bunch of straight humans were like how did you not know like how did like how did that happen like and you missed it and mm -hmm. I really think it is because of compet and like you said that kind of default assumption of you have to be into men or you must be into men like prerequisite for valid existence yeah and I think I mean this isn't totally related to compet but kind of what I was saying like I think like as queer identities have become more mainstream we still see like white cis gay men as like the forefront of what it means to be queer and mm -hmm. um women binary people people like bisexual trans people um still don't have that representation and i feel like if i had if i had seen more like cool hot lesbians like portrayed in a positive light i yeah. could have it would have been more like oh that's mm -hmm. possible <laughs> yes so 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 possible um okay i'm not gonna pretend that i like didn't listen to a podcast where you talked about some of these things right before this but <laughs> it has been so common for so many people to come out during the pandemic or to realize like new identities claim new identities why do you think that that is part of it i think is that people um are no longer forced to interact with like the cis hetero world you don't mm -hmm. have to like we were in such a quarantine took us out of this pattern where it's like every day you wake up and you have to talk to your straight male colleagues and you have to like go on a subway with like all these people and you have to like put on this like put on your straight suit <laughs> um to to interact and when you don't have to do that i think like people became their own audiences and mm -hmm. people got to be like oh like I'm not seeing anybody else today. Like mm -hmm. I can really exist in the way that feels authentic to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also like just having more time for reflection. And I mean, we talk about how capitalism likes to like keep us grinding to the point of exhaustion where we don't have any time to reflect on mm -hmm. like other things, including might be queer <laughs> yeah um, yeah and then also <laughs> talk about tiktok which is <laughs> yeah. so wild but i feel like for many people tiktok was like the first yes it was the first yeah. place of like homonormativity where mm -hmm. you could like log on to the platform and like 
see queer people living their everyday life in just a totally like normalized way yeah Yeah. absolutely it's really like you were saying the power of representation and like had you seen some super hot not hetero people growing up it'd be a different story and definitely TikTok did that for me um and did that for so many I remember connecting with someone in like super small town, very red state America. And they were like, it wasn't until I got TikTok that I even realized there are other people feeling what I'm feeling in terms Mm -hmm. of queerness. And I was like, wow, bless you, TikTok. (laughs) It's true. Uh, The TikTok creators did not not anticipate to create um, the best intervention for addressing combat out there, but... They did. (laughs) They really, really, really did. I saw a TikTok too that was like, it took me 20 something years to realize I was gay. It took the algorithm one minute. And that was definitely the case for me. I was like, "Hmm, why am I on lesbian TikTok? Is everyone on lesbian TikTok? (laughs) We don't know. Not everyone was on lesbian TikTok. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Um, Okay. So all of these words that are big words like patriarchy, capitalism, cis heteronormativity. Um, I think that for, se- for some people, it's like those feel like big words and big concepts mm-hmm. and it maybe gets stuck in the head. So can you tell us like how do these systems actually manifest in our bodies and like how might patriarchy be impacting our sex lives, whether we know it or not? Yeah. um so many ways um so one thing I think to start off in terms of thinking about like patriarchy in our sex lives is that like the whole way that we frame sex and everything that we get taught about sex growing up is centered around the type of sex that benefits cishet white men (laughs) like Mm -hmm. when we think of real sex and there are studies where like you ask people on the street like what counts as real sex um and what is like the type of sex that is not censored in movies the type of sex that like in religious organizations or in sex ed you talk about sex that's like penetrative sex Mm -hmm. um there are all these scripts when we think about like how bodies are supposed to work, how bodies are supposed to get turned on, how desire is supposed to work, all of that, the norm is centered around what is experienced in cis men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we think when we think about things like combat too, and like when we, when we think about like <laughs> what like women and non-binary people's like role as sexual beings are um mm-hmm. it's to be sexual objects it's to have sex with men um it's to perform um and all of these things kind of uh disconnect women and non-binary people from our authentic desire in order mm-hmm. to like serve a larger um cis heteropatriarchy and i think with capitalism too um a lot of it is around like the diet uh, industry um, mm-hmm. that we can buy our way to being happier and lovable by making ourselves smaller. Um, and again, making ourselves smaller is also um, 
connection to, to patriarchy too, making women and non-binary people as small and, and weak and non-threatening as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that fat phobia is super connected with desire. If you feel like your body, if you don't like your body, if you're really mean to your body, there's so much research to show that that's really going to impair you like feeling pleasure in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, that we can really buy our way to sexual happiness, whether it's like sex toys or you gotta, you gotta shave your whole body to have sex, like all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, so (laughs) many shoulds and expectations and comparisons and like, I'm supposed to look like that feelings and sound like that feelings. And um, I just, I really appreciate this education because I think so often we have thoughts that are like uh, I guess I'm just an insecure person or you know what I mean like putting it on mm-hmm. ourselves we're like I guess I'm just super insecure I don't know where I, why I can't get over this like body image stuff I don't know mm-hmm. why um, I don't feel good enough and we really like put that blame on ourselves and this mm-hmm. is like this huge um like curtain lifting moment of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, it didn't actually come from you. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot going on here that leads to that messaging on that note. I feel like this is like exactly what your, your program's about. Like it's called fuck the patriarchy, fuck your life, which is amazing. What, like what inspired you to create that and how does it tie into what we're talking about right now? Yeah. So I think you're totally right that like so many people internalize all of these things that say like, it's something wrong with me. I'm mm-hmm. broken. Um, and I think a lot of like sexuality educators and like the sexual wellness industry can perpetuate that in some ways to say mm-hmm. like, here are these different things that like you can do to like increase your libido or like spice things up with your partner um or like buy this sex toy because in yeah like within like the western worldview and like within capitalism it's very individualistic um and also like by focusing on the individual you don't have to disrupt any of these Mm. like larger systems so Mm -hmm. for me I and I think also like in my own journey like I did so much work on like, okay, how can I fix how I'm broken? Like, let me learn everything about it. But it wasn't until I started like unlearning compat and like decentering um, the cishet like male perspective on like what sex is and what pleasure is, um, did I actually like really <laughs> experience like pleasure and I think like a more mm-hmm. whole and embodied sense of sexuality. So the point of the purpose of the course is kind of to be like please like I want to I want to help you not spend years like spinning your wheels feeling broken trying to like do all this like internal work when really like most people did get good sex ed and you have to throw out all this shit Mm -hmm. that you were taught that's causing you to feel all this pain and shame to begin with yeah I'm so glad that you exist and that you're doing this work I know you've done like um web series for kids too and it just again like you were saying like if you had seen super hot and like like growing up I'm like if imagine we had all received sex education like this growing up Mm -hmm. um something that I'm super excited to talk about is like 
How do you feel like this queer perspective on sex education can be empowering for everyone? Because I imagine that there's some queer folks listening who are like, I love this, this is amazing. And then I imagine that there's some straight folks who are like, I was going to be like, when are we going to talk about me? But what I, what I really mean is like, um, how does this apply to me? Um, so I'd love to know, like, yeah, how, why is this important for everyone? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think like, if we look at like research, um, and there's a really cool researcher called Peggy Kleinplatz, and one of her big of frameworks is like working from the margins and mm. looking at how I think she really looks at like pink and BDSM communities um like disabled sexuality educators and like queer people and like really that people who have had to think really deeply and intentionally about their sexuality and like build frameworks and ways of connecting that are outside of this very cis hetero model mm. um actually have like such amazing expansive like positive outcomes of sexuality um mm. I remember reading this paper around like couples who've just like given birth and stuff and how that experiences like after having a baby and wanting to have sex again um and one of the out one of the findings was that couples who had a broader definition of what sex is um were much more sexually satisfied after giving birth and when I say it like that it's like kind of like a no duh like <laughs> finding maybe that it's like oh if you release this pressure on yourself and like expand to other forms of intimacy things are going to go better mm -hmm. um but I feel like that's one example of how like queer perspectives on sexuality can benefit kind of everybody yeah yeah <laughs> no I love that I'm having <clears throat> a very distinct memory of when I worked in the Toronto's gay village when I was like quote quote straight <laughs> just like you with your like founding the GSA when you were mm -hmm. quote quote straight and um yeah I remember having a similar thought I had experienced sexual trauma like just a few months before working in that space and I just felt so shut down and like confused by sexuality and I remember having this this realization like wow the whole queer community has actually been been asked to and has needed to take time to reflect on sexuality and what that means. And I remember being like, wow, this is so amazing and empowering. And at the time I was just like, okay, this is my first taste of like sex positive spaces. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that is so real that some people, especially if they do feel like cisgender or heterosexual they may have just not thought about some of this they're just like well eh, the script has been given to me I don't need to think about it yeah, yeah it fits well enough like mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah versus people that need to like intentionally be creative and like question things be like actually this is so more for me what else is out there <laughs> yeah what else yeah exactly um yeah another example I think of how like research shows that like queer perspectives on sex can maybe be helpful to everyone is one of my favorite YouTube videos I ever make that I'm going to turn into a TikTok cool. is like the four different research findings that show that queer women have more orgasms. Yes, let's talk and about this, that. <laughs> yeah, that like this and 
again, it might be a no-do moment, but that like the sex sessions are longer. Um, there's different, a greater variety of things that are happening. Um, there is, yeah, including things like oral sex and like hand sex that are kind of shown to be more effective <laughs> at, mm-hmm. um, and more connected to orgasm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think yeah. like, yeah, it feels sometimes I, I imposter syndrome like straight people don't want to hear about like sex ed from like lesbian, but I'm like, I swear. I promise we have helpful insights. (laughs) It is helpful. It is helpful. You know what, what comparison it just reminded me of is like shifting from working for someone else and being given the tasks that you have to do all day long Mm -hmm. to like becoming an entrepreneur and being like, well, what do I actually want to do? And what do I actually want to create? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's kind of sounds like that. It's like society is like, Hey, girl and boy having sex here's what you do and then when you step away from that script there's that kind of solo moment where you're like oh god like what do I actually want what do I actually like um and kind of being creative in our sexuality so yay I don't know if that does that feel like an accurate relation (laughs) yeah I mean like I think it's literally on the nose like the nine to five was like created in a place where like men had were the only ones going to work and women stayed at home. So like it was created assuming that you have somebody to do all this care work. Like it, it, it's, yeah, the traditional work structure is totally like a white cis heteropatriarchal like mm-hmm. creation. So stepping away, you're literally being like, no, 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 I, <laughs> I refuse. Yeah. I'm gonna create a better system for myself. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which which I will say like that's so liberating and it's scary right mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. yeah I find it's a bit scary and so and then you brought up imposter syndrome too can you talk about like queer sex ed as like a need because we're not it's like we don't want to be given those rigid scripts but we also need and deserve guidance so like yeah, can you share anything you're inspired to share on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, ooh, okay. Can you rephrase your question? Like, are you, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it in a way that's, like, more vulnerable and real for me, which is, like, the imposter syndrome thing. Okay, so for me, I was doing like this sexual wellness, sex educator thing for years, and I identified as straight, and then I identified as bi, and then identifying, and then like newly coming out as gay and being in the sexual education space, it's like a little scary because I'm like, I feel like I knew what I was talking about before, and now I'm kind of at the beginning stages, and I think what I experienced, and I hear this a lot with a lot of different humans, is like, having shame around having shame does that make sense like you're like you feel insecure and then you also feel ashamed of feeling insecure Mm -hmm. and and I think it comes back to what you're the gorgeous work you're doing of being like hey this isn't just about your flaw it's about the whole system so I don't know if this is real really a question or a share Mm -hmm. but I'm just like what are you what reflections do you have around that yeah 
Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for sharing. And I'm yeah. like, I can, I can definitely relate. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely have like, share like a similar sense of like, I'm a sex educator. I'm talking about all these things. I've never been in like a queer relationship that was like aligned for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I know that there's wisdom that I'm going to learn in that, that I like haven't, <laughs> I haven't received yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I try and go back to the idea that like, I truly think that there are like fundamental principles around sexuality that are applicable to everybody, no matter who your partner is, like whether you are like new to a sexual partner or a situation or like old but that like tools like communication Mm -hmm. reflection um like accurate information about like anatomy and desire and arousal um and like doing the work to unpack the like lies and myths like I think that is like the foundational work that's going to help kind of everybody no matter where they're at and I think I think a beautiful educator, Samantha Biddy, who's also in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, I think she said that like worries about like being inexperienced um, are kind of unfounded because every new sexual partner you have is a new sexual experience. Like mm-hmm. everybody likes something different. Like you can really what you're bringing in is those like foundational communication skills and the knowledge of yourself. Um, but yeah, you're new every time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's so important. It's like stepping away from those assumptions and being caring. And I feel like that segues perfectly into the compassionate casual sex that you talk about. And also very curious about the wording you use of fuck like a Hufflepuff. (laughs) Please tell us what, tell us more about that and what that means. Yeah, so how to fuck like a Hufflepuff. Um, (laughs) I'm a millennial Gen Z cusp, so I do have some millennial traits of being a big Harry Potter fan. Um, (laughs) And I don't know, I had this idea in my head that like Hufflepuffs are very kind. Um, Mm -hmm. They're very compassionate. They're very curious and like hardworking. Um, And I brought it together with this idea that like, casual sex can also be compassionate um and supportive and lovely so yeah sorry I'm just (laughs) laughing in my head because I'm just like does that make Slytherin like the non-consensual approach (laughs) you're just like Slytherin in like no (laughs) no asking no checking I, I don't think so one of the questions the question I do ask at the beginning of the workshop is like how what do you think your Harry Potter style is in bed? And who do you think is your most compatible uh, house in I bed? I love this. <laughs> I love this. Okay, just for fun, can you give us like a, a very like brief glimpse into each Harry Potter house and the assigned sexual style? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I did a whole video on this with Hannah Witten. Um, who's also a big Harry Potter nerd, but oh my gosh, in my conception, 
Um, I would say that like Ravenclaws are like huge X nerds. Um, they got all the books. <laughs> um, in my mind, like as I'm saying this, I'm like I'm projecting all of the house, the different houses, to be very kinky. Maybe that says more about me than it does about the houses. But I'm like, maybe I'm maybe like, Hogwarts is just like in this analogy, Hogwarts is just like a safe space for kinky mm-hmm. and queer folks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the Ravenclaws are are the big big sex nerds. They're like going by the book. I think also like they maybe with their sexual partners, they're like, I, I want to be able to please you. Please give me your handbook. Um, I want to check off all the boxes and do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that like Gryffindors are maybe a little bit more adventurous. Um, okay. Maybe they're maybe they're the type of people that's like, I'll try anything once. Like, fuck me up. Like, what do you like to do? Okay, let's try that. <laughs> amazing yeah yeah and I would maybe yeah I'm trying to think of Slytherins um yeah okay Slytherin Slytherin traits are being cunning um being ambitious Mm. I feel like in the in the dating world Slytherins have got that like dating profile like perfected they're Mm -hmm. like I know what I want like I have I am not fucking around (laughs) with like any garbage (laughs) I have my perfect date plans like I have the the red flag questions off the top and I will walk out before dinner arrives (laughs) (laughs) if this is not up to my standard (laughs) yeah yeah we love a strong boundary for sure (laughs) Amazing. Okay. And then also in my head, you're like, I feel like this is a safe space for astrology. I'm like taking this way too far in my head. And I'm like, I feel like these are the astrological signs that would go with each. (laughs) Like, like which one did you say was adventurous? Um, Gryffindor. I was like, Sag, (laughs) Sagittarius. I'm a a Sag Mars and Venus. (laughs) Work. I'm Sun and Rising Sag. Oh, love that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into Hufflepuff. What mm-hmm. what does that look like? What does compassionate and of of course we want to bring this compassionate casual sex into any sign, any Harry Potter house you may identify with? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think like it's interesting. Like I created the workshop after kind of being in college like participating in like the hookup culture of it all like when I identified as a straight woman sleeping with other men um Mm -hmm. and realizing like oh there are gaps in like how we teach people that like casual sex should be and Mm -hmm. like with all these like gendered norms and like expectations too things get like pretty icky Mm -hmm. um so I realized I'm like now after being in the space for a couple of years and like coming out and like reading more from like queer educators and like kinky educators, I realized that the workshop is basically just like aftercare is important. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're with a partner, even if it's a casual partner, like talking about what your needs are afterwards, like being present and like kind is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, before care (laughs) is like also important and really like a lot of the workshop too is about like 
reflecting on what your own needs and wants and boundaries are and communicating that to a partner so that people are on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully people don't get hurt. <laughs> Um, And also that you're getting the type of casual sex that you want. Mm -hmm. This is so huge for people. I know this was huge for me, like just realizing communication is an option. Um, Mm -hmm. I think so often we're just like, oh, like I wish this person would do this and this and this, but, but we never ask for it. We never communicate it. And, um, yeah what was like your experience it kind of sounds like you correct me if I'm wrong kind of Mm -hmm. sounds like you learned about a lot of these things in an academic sense and then applied them to your life do you feel like that is is true a bit I think a little bit of both I think part of it is like I'm experiencing this right um and back and forth and I mean I think like I also had like one very positive like friends with benefits experience and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't think right. everybody has an experience like this. I think this was nice. Yeah, write some notes about <laughs> yeah. what was helpful here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's that same experience of just like we need to experience a what else, like mm-hmm. an alternative. Yay, I'm very happy that you've experienced that and that like your life was inspiring your research life and now your research life is inspiring your life and your work and it's just it's really cool um yeah what do you feel like has shifted for you in your own life and like in your own sense of safety through like applying what you've learned around communication and aftercare and compassionate sex and all of these beautiful things yeah well I think um in terms of like navigating casual sex, like doing that reflection that like friends with benefits is much preferred for me in terms of like one night stands mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and being like pretty deliberate in terms of like, as I'm going out and like looking for people, like having conversations about what are you looking for? Like, what do you like value in these situations? And I think, yeah, definitely like feeling more empowered to like communicate and like not be afraid to do that I remember um there was a situation with a friend of benefits of mine where I had to um it ended up that I was going to stay over when I hadn't planned to stay over mm-hmm. um and I was like I there's actually two beds I would feel more comfortable not sleeping in the same bed together and they were like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up because oh. I was wanted that too. And I was really nervous because like n- there are like norms or whatever around like sharing a bed. And I thought like, maybe you, you would think that I wouldn't like you if we did this. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got to, we got to ask for, ask for the things. Yeah. Um, and I think like speaking more broadly about like how unlearning these like norms has impacted my own sex life um Mm -hmm. I think most of my sexual growth has happened in my solo sex life Mm -hmm. (laughs) like literally removing (laughs) like all partners and just being like this is exclusively for me Mm -hmm. um and things like I mean like finding like erotic materials that are affirming um and 
like showing myself a lot of self-compassion around like what my actual like response like pattern is like what my desires are yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think too like with you're talking about like the shame a little bit around like not having experiences that maybe we want to have um I think like I feel very passionate that like solo sex is a valid form of sex (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is like incredibly powerful and transformative and like my my expertise (laughs) like in that area are like and my are are valid yeah a hundred percent valid I think that self-pleasure masturbation I think that this is probably like the most taboo maybe it's not but it's a super taboo Mm -hmm. thing and there's so much shame wrapped around self-pleasure masturbation like so much shame why do you think that is and how can we shift away from that Mm -hmm. I mean not to be a a broken record but (laughs) again I think like masturbation um is like a revolutionary like fuck you to the cis heteropatriarchy because you're saying I actually do not need you to bring me pleasure I do not need to settle for um whatever this experience is going to be I am self-sufficient mm-hmm. um and I think that's really um like scary to people and I think in like what's the word not intimidating, threatening to people. And I think that is kind of why there is so much shame and like, you can't masturbate. And like, especially for like women, the narrative that like, oh, if you masturbate, that's like kind of gross or like, you're like a slut, (laughs) you masturbate, like this, these kind of messages. Um, Because it is like a genuinely powerful thing. So you want to discourage you from doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah yes 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 there's such a like I don't need anything I don't need yeah that's again the combat narrative of like you need a man usually to experience Mm -hmm. pleasure and fulfillment it Mm -hmm. is that kind of statement of like liberation Mm -hmm. um I just yeah I love this conversation so much because I just think this is the thing that we're like you can't talk about that Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to a somatic sex ed training and they were like, just have a conversation about your favorite ways and positions and stimulus and toys to self-pleasure with. And we were like, we were like, what? And it just, it had that kind of energy of when you're like young at a sleepover and you're kind of like telling secrets and it just, it was so, it was so innocent. And I think that that was a very big reclamation for me and is for so many is this idea that our sexuality, even if it's wild and kinky and erotic, like all the things that can also be innocent and it is innocent. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can you share about your journey with reclaiming self-pleasure in whatever way feels good for you? Yeah. Well, I, I was a pretty late bloomer to solo sex. Mm-hmm. Um, like as a sex educator, I and like or as an aspiring sex educator and sex nerd, I like heard about the idea of like masturbation, but like, oh, it's this amazing cool thing. Um, and I would like try it and I'd be like, 
really, <laughs> really get what I, what's all the hype is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I got my first sex toy. Um, and that was one of the first moments where I was like, whoa, okay, okay. Yeah. This is more pleasurable than sex with my boyfriend. Interesting information. I would like that away. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I think I also like didn't have like my first orgasm until like a bit later in life. Um, and I think, yeah, it took like realizing that lube is a very important sex toy (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. like if you are a person with a vulva like lube and masturbation can can make a huge difference (laughs) yeah yeah um and that like masturbation does not have to be like simply inserting things that like the clit is a is a wonderful organ um yeah and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think yeah and like trial and error of like sex toys and think also doing that internal work around like combating shame and really centering myself in mm-hmm. um, my experiences and now I'm like oh best thing ever <laughs> yeah yay agree um thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable I think to just the power of hearing mm-hmm. those reflections and I think that all of us when we hear stories and journeys like that we see little glimpses of ourselves, and we're like I need to hear that I needed to hear someone casually normalize lube you know like (laughs) it's so important yeah Mm -hmm. I was definitely a late bloomer with self-pleasure too and it has been such a beautiful path of reclamation and like self-love and body love for me as well so Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for sharing about that definitely reminds me of um the fact that you have like a documentary in the making with what is like with sexuality and technology what is it yeah yeah um yes um I've been working with an amazing director and filmmaker over the pandemic to create a documentary based on my master's thesis around Mm -hmm. sexing um and really basically like uplifting the voices of like women and non-binary people talking about the role that sexting actually plays in their lives because Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times like the media narrative around sexting around women and non-binary people is like it's so dangerous like yeah like really like put people in the position of like victims and like removing their agency um in their experiences of sexting so I think we really want this documentary to be like put the mic back in people's hand and be like tell me what it actually is because I think that like sexting can be such an incredible place to like be some of the first places where women and non-binary people like write down and speak their desires into Mm. existence um and also a place to connect with masturbation and solo sex so Mm -hmm. I am a very like strong advocate for for sexting and of course like aware of like harm reduction strategies but I think like moving the conversation into a more like pleasure focused place is very exciting for me yeah amazing I'm so excited to see this and congrats that's really cool (laughs) it's a it's a slow it's slow going but yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, it'll totally happen. That's amazing. Um, definitely makes me think of like shout out to Laura DiCarlo. We did, I think the second episode of this podcast was with Laura on like sex tech and the world of sex tech and the need for gender equity in that space. So mm-hmm. that's super cool and aligned. Um, I feel like you should probably be friends if you're not already. Uh, <laughs> yes. But yes, time has like flown super super fast um how can people connect with your amazing work and please feel free to share more about your program which looks so amazing as well yeah so folks can find me mostly on instagram and tiktok at what's my body doing um my website is evabloom.ca um my live program is called fuck the patriarchy fuck yourself it's a 14-week live program with a bunch of workshops and guest speakers and sexy homework for building a pleasure practice um it's really exciting I don't know the timing of when this episode will be released but we have our second cohort starting next week on October 26th um but I'm sure that there will be other cohorts in the future if you want mm-hmm. to learn more about it you can go to evabloom.ca slash fpfy program Yay, thank you. And I'll put all those links in the notes so it's super easy mm-hmm. to find. Sometimes I, I channel a really ridiculous closing message and I just had a question to ask you. So, mm-hmm. okay, imagine, you know, like the CoStar app that gives like as- astrological messages each day. Mm-hmm. If you were like a CoStar app, but it was about sexual wellness, like a message of sexual wellness, what would be the message that you would give people today? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. Well, um, in terms of like also astrology stuff, it's the yeah. full moon today. Oh man. And based on my like very basic knowledge of that type of stuff, I feel like full moons are a good time to release things. So mm-hmm. my little like message would be to like release an expectation around sex that you don't want to carry anymore Mm, I love it received (laughs) thank you Eva this has been so 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 good you're amazing thank you everyone for listening tell us what uh tell us what Hogwarts house you identify with and we can talk about it (laughs) yes please (laughs) thanks so much for having me Thank you so much for listening, loves. Um, Isn't Eva just freaking incredible and such a wealth of knowledge and sex education information that we all need and deserve? Thank you, Eva. Um, Everybody go follow them on Instagram at What's My Body Doing. Again, you'll see the links in the show notes below. Check out their program. I know it's going to be incredibly epic. And also, if this podcast is resonating with you, I'd be so grateful if you could share it and leave a review. It really helps us to amplify these messages. We have another epic, epic guest episode coming next week, so stay tuned. Check out the Central Wholeness Academy deets below, and I'm sending you so much love. Love.